Support for WMNF comes from listeners like you and Ruth Eckerd Hall presenting the Clearwater Smooth Jazz Jam featuring Mindy Abear, Vanessa Williams, Boney James, Jonathan Butler, Brian Culbertson, Marcus Miller, and David Sanborn on Friday and Saturday, June 2nd and 3rd. RuthEckerdHall.com has ticket information. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Well, good morning, my dear friends. Let's step into the parlor and gather around the radio and listen to another episode of the Healthy Steps Radio Show. Dr. Harvey is joined by Sharon Jurassic, a doctor of Ayurvedic medicine and owner of Firmulicious, where they create foods rich in probiotics that are darn good and yummy as well. If you have any medical questions related to today's topic on traditional medicine, yoga, meditation, probiotics, and fermentation, well, by golly, let me tell you what. You've found the right place and you are encouraged to participate by calling 813 239 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show, Dr. Jurassic. It took me quite a while to read through your bio, and your CV alone is truly impressive, especially when I pause to consider that there were more than a few stones on your path. I'm sure that our listeners will gain a lot by hearing what you've learned and what you embrace as a result of your life experiences and your quest to build balance and harmony in the mind and body. And good morning to you, Dr. Harvey. I'm looking forward to this show and to learning all the ways that sauerkraut is good for me even when I'm not just putting it on a bratwurst. I know that you have a direction in mind for this show, and I know that our listeners will get a real wealth of information for Dr. Jurassic, so take it away. Why, thank you, Bill. Another wonderful Monday to spend with you and my listeners. And welcome, welcome Sharon. Um, I uh, really am so happy to have Dr. Jurassic here. She, uh, I met her first at Sarasota's Farmer's Market, where she has a stand where she is purveyor of her amazing, delicious fermented products of all kinds. And she has much more extensive history than that, and I will let her go into that. But she, just to remind you, as Bill mentioned, she's a doctor of Ayurvedic medicine, and she's also a master herbalist. Um, she's a Reiki master, a shaman apprentice, and obviously a, a very strong proponent of using fermented foods in your diet. <clears throat> Welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Dr. Harvey. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. So glad that you are. Um, you know, like many practitioners in the um, uh, uh, health arena, uh, rather than the illness treatment standard medicine arena, um, you, like I, have gone through some challenges that got you to this point. And Ayurveda isn't where you started, I understand. Tell us a bit about your history, please. Oh, well, the history, it really did start at birth. I was born with many issues, but it wasn't until I was about 30 years old and my father was diagnosed with cancer and I started to ask the question, why do people get cancer? And that opened up a whole can of worms and really started me down a different path. And I thought I was living a healthy lifestyle. Needless to say, in my 40s, then I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, fatigue, brain fog, all of the typical symptoms that we see so often. 
And it was there that I discovered that I wasn't eating so healthy and had a lot to learn. And that's how I found I found fermented foods basically through Donna Gates, who is a pioneer in fermented foods and gut health. And it was through her her books that I really started to understand that, oh, I need to introduce this into my life. And once I introduced the fermented foods into my life, things slowly started to change. And at that time, I was leading a meditation class and um I was sharing the I was sharing the fermented foods along with everything that I was learning with everyone every Monday night and everyone started to feel better as well. It was interesting how we all started to have these beautiful side effects of just sampling the fermented foods and it was in that moment that many of our community members were like you need to share this with the community and I wasn't ready for it at that point in time. Needless to say, I was ready for more information, and that is what led me into Ayurveda medicine. I was a yogi for 25 plus years. I was leading class. I had great knowledge in Ayurveda medicine and or in uh, yoga, rather, and I found online, I was looking for gut health, and I found this great quote by Ayurveda medicine, which is, all disease begins with indigestion. And it was there, I was like, okay, this is where I need to go next. And that's how I found my way into the sister science of yoga, which is Ayurveda medicine. Yes, yes. Um, My predecessor on this show called herself a gut-based practitioner because it's true. It's where it all starts. It's our interface with the outside world. Um, I just, I love the concept of Ayurveda and uh, its teachings. Um, just the fact that it's the oldest form of healthcare practiced on the planet continuously makes it pretty impressive. It's even older than Chinese medicine. And there are many more Chinese medicine practitioners than there are Ayurvedic practitioners in America. And I think um, that would be a good thing to actually change because this is a very powerful tool. And and I just, I love that the, just the name of it, uh, uh, knowledge and life together. And when you study life and you apply logic and organize it, you get science. So it's the science of life. What could be better than practicing the science of life? It's powerful. When when you practice Ayurveda, which essentially means the science of life, it it really does just start to show how the body, you said logic, and it truly is logic. When you introduce some basic things back into the body, the body is innate. The body wants to heal. The body wants to return to homeostasis. We just need to provide the proper elements in order for the body to do so. And it really is logic. It's sitting, it's listening to your gut, listening to what's going on within and remembering. And then through that, we start to introduce foods and herbs and things that really help to restore balance within the body. Yes, so true. You know, the medicine that I practiced initially uh, that I was trained in, um, basically uh, the Western approach started with Greece 2,500 years ago with Hippocrates, Galen 2,000 years ago. Um, the nature of this this practice is, is very different because it looks at um, 
that looked at balance, but as it's progressed on, it's it's become further and further from the issue of balance. It did turn back a bit. 250 years ago, Samuel Hahnemann developed homeopathy, which actually is very similar in concept to the the treatment of life, trying to bring things back into balance. But um, so I understand that um, um, Ayurveda is much more than just like Western medicine is the treatment of illness. This is a whole system of both preventive and curative medicine, is it not? It is, it is. Ayurveda defines um, basically the essence of who we are through the doshas and the three doshas are vata, pitta and kapha. Dosha is a Sanskrit word, which basically means that which causes problem. Mm. And it's believed to... Um, it's believed that once you understand what the imbalance is based on the the elemental imbalance, then you could bring the person back into balance. So if you know the nature of the person, the nature of the imbalance and the nature of the food, then food can be the can be matched to the individual's needs of that person. So it's really understanding the nuance of that individual. And so many of us know I'm pitta or I'm vata. But ultimately, you need to know what's going on within that day. So what is happening today? What are the thoughts of the mind? What do the bowel movements look like? And then in that moment, in that moment of today, you could say, oh, wow, Vata is elevated within my body. My body. It's not so much what is my constitution, but what is my Vikruti, that imbalance, and keep addressing it through the imbalance of the different elements of food. The way I understand it is that our constitution involves a specific um, predetermined, like at birth, balance between the three doshas. And then when we go through life, we get challenges to those dosha balances, which ends up creating the problems. And the challenges can be um, from uh, emotional, from, from the environment, from food, from toxins, from all kinds of different things. And then, well, as you say, the, the daily issue is how are they doing today? What are the challenges to the doshas today? Correct, correct. Yes, the imbalance, as I mentioned, is Vakruti. The goal of Ayurveda is to restore the proper balance of these dosha forces. And this is accomplished by using one of the sense therapies. So we have these five senses and living in harmony with a healthy lifestyle, living in rhythm with nature. It's so interesting when, when working with people, people think that, oh, I should be better. Let me take this pill. Let me take this herbal supplement. Let me change my diet. But it takes so much more than just that day. It takes a full year in order for that person to come full circle into healing and in order to really get those doshas back into balance. And they're always fluctuating. They're constantly fluctuating. And it's that ability to look within and say, okay, what's going on with me today? How do I self-regulate? Yeah, I like what you said there about how people are looking for that one Ayurvedic supplement or that one food change that's going to fix everything. And that's, we've been trained by the delusional approach from the current medical establishment that a pill is going to cure all your ills. And so therapy in Ayurveda doesn't involve that kind of linear approach because 
there's so many more things involved. And I love how you just mentioned that it involves the five senses. Um, yes. Ayurvedi, the, the, the first aromatherapist, right? Absolutely. The senses of what do we take in? What are we digesting through our vision, through what we're hearing? What sort of information are we taking in? That affects us on this energetic level fluctuating the pharmacy within our body. So if we're watching the news or we're being stressed out all day long, the cortisol within our body is elevated. So it's really important to step back and look at how are we moving through our day? What are we listening to? What are we smelling? What are we, how are we being touched? How are we being held? Or perhaps we're not being held and if you're, you know, you live by yourself and you don't have human touch, well, then it's really important to have a practitioner, somebody who does hands-on therapy with you, or are you doing yoga? What? There's so many different nuances based on the individual, and it's truly based on the individual and what that person needs. Yes, that's what's really important about this. It's about the individual. Nuances are individual. And Western medicine has boiled therapeutics and um, diagnostics down to uh, epidemiologic bell curves where this term, this pill, this treatment fits the middle of the bell curve. But there's such a nuance that people at both ends of the bell curve fall out and at one end might get terrible adverse consequences and at the other end might get absolutely zero result from the therapy because we haven't looked at the nuances of why this is actually happening. Yes, looking, looking within what's really happening. Also listening, right? Like yes. listening at our, listening within ourselves. We go to doctors and we seek help because we're looking outside of ourselves. And Dr. Harvey, I know many people who've worked with you and have received so many benefits. And they've also worked with me, but I believe at the end of the day, that individual who's able to listen, to sit with themselves and say, okay, what is it that I need today? And remembering their true nature, that's when disease starts to take place. When we forget our true nature, we forget our own personal mm -hmm. power and we're giving that power away to somebody else. We need to reclaim our power. We need to step into our power and remember that nature works with us and that People do have support of practitioners, people who want to help, but ultimately at the end of the day, so you don't fall into that bell curve, what is it that your body needs? Listening to your gut, remembering mm -hmm. who you are. We are our most important practitioner and we need to spend lots of time in silence with ourselves. That's why I advocate meditation for all of my clients. And I realized actually this past 10 days or so, I've been going through a challenge after a very deep emotional challenge during a workshop where I was trying to become more authentic and touch some very, very old pain. And it peeled off some layers of things from me that were a serious challenge. And I had to actually step back from life and sit in myself and listen to what my body was telling me to help actually realign, to reassert, uh, uh, I guess, a, a, um, not control, but a, 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 an active dance with my energy bodies, my physical bodies, my mental bodies. 
Yeah, when we're able to tap into that subtle bodies where our nadis, our chakras reside, that's where the emotional information is at. And through meditation, you're really able to tap into that subtle energetic body. And it's within that body is where we start to heal. We're so caught up in our physical body. How do I look? How much weight? Did I lose any weight? You know, what does my hair look like? Am I gray? Am I this? Am I that? Rather than really stepping into your own subtle body, going into meditation, listening to those higher frequencies to where that information is stored, because we have so much information that's stored within our body. Our hips are the record of our history. We hold on to so much emotion within our hips. And by doing asana or doing pigeon pose, and then you go into meditation, that information then starts to surface up and that individual is able to remember the triggers, remember the trauma. And once you start to remember, like you said, you peel back, it's just peeling it back. And then you're stepping into that personal power. That's so true. And I want to remind our lovely listeners that they can step into personal power here by calling into the station or emailing to interact with Dr. Sharon so that they can actually get some more information on Ayurveda. So we are on WMNF 88.5, Tampa's favorite community station. Yes, and today's special guest is Dr. Sharon Jurassic, and they're talking about Ayurveda health care and fermentation. Fermented foods. I uh, used to know a bar in Tallahassee called Fermentations. A shout out to them. <laughs> uh, and you're encouraged to participate. Irene's in the uh, control room. Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. This is, I'm finding it a fascinating show, so join on in, folks. Back to you, doctor. Thank you. So um, I wanted to touch on what the doshas mean. We, we, I've, I think people have heard about vada, pitta, and kapha. What I know about it is vada is about air and movement, and pitta is about metabolism and your, 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 the movement inside you, and kapha is your energy body, the subtle nature of you, and also the glue that holds you together. And I think it's funny that it's been called the glue because it's when you have a bronchitis and you bring up a lot of phlegm, that is kapha from what I understand, and it actually fits with coughing too. Yeah, that that's the, I don't know if it's the irony, it's the beauty of this medicine where you're able to make these connections where it goes back to that piece that you said, the logic of it. And when you think of the elements of kapha, kapha is water and earth. And when those are combined together, they create mud basically, right? And that mud becomes heavy, cold, dense, stable, smooth. It's our structure. Kapha mm -hmm. is also at the beginning time. So we have the different stages of life. So when a child is born from the time that they're born until the time they go through puberty, they're in that Kapha time of life. Mm -hmm. And then Pitta is the next time of life. As you mentioned, Pitta is fire. It's also a little bit water, but mainly fire. Pitta functions, digestion, metabolism, body heat, um, the qualities of pitta are oily, hot, wet, fluid, intense, pit, intense fire of the mind. And pitta is once in, in our lifetime, in the, in the cycle of one's life, 
it is once that individual actually goes through puberty. So once we start puberty, that is when fire is said to start to really activate. Definitely when fire activates. Right? (laughs) Yeah, on so many levels. And we start to figure out what our purpose is, who we are as individuals, and this fire really comes into play. And then when it's balanced, that individual's goes on to find out what they're intended to do when it's out of balance it could create anger it could create turmoil so it's so important to keep that fire in balance and then when we move into the latter time of life for women specifically it's defined as once we hit menopause and at that point in time we move into the ether and air time of a life and ether and air is movement, ether and air is nerve regulation, it is circulation. The qualities of vata dosha would be dry, cold, um, light, mobile, irregular. Vata dosha regulates movement, breathing, natural urges. And it's also this powerful time. So vata is at the helm of all three doshas as other doshas, the other two doshas cannot move without vata. We need that air, we need that ether. And it's so important to ensure that vata dosha is in balance. We know vata dosha isn't in balance when the mind is overactive or somebody's super flighty and you just know you need to bring them back down to earth. And, um, you know, on the other hand, you me. know, the, I think, excuse me, uh, the, the uh, interesting thing I hear about the air is um, so uh, it's about mind. And in, in the Western sense, when we inspire air, we actually enliven our bodies. But it's also the word is used for inspiring the mind, the emotion, the spirit, because it's uplifting. And that connection is just so logical. And I, I really love that Ayurveda is based in that just obvious, uh, uh, you know, observations. This is just, we see this is what happens and we follow through on what happens so we can actually deal with it as long as we have the time to pay attention. Unfortunately, in our rapid consumer-based, capitalistic Western world, we don't take time to be with ourselves long enough to actually assess these things. It's so true. Just sitting in nature is the the best teacher for me is just being out in nature because all of this goes back to nature and understanding the movement of the wind, the fire within, the earth getting grounded when we sit on the earth and we're just sitting there and we feel rooted, we feel supported by mother earth. And then when that wind comes through, we could feel that motion and that's applicable not only mm-hmm. to our subtle body, but also to our physical body. It is really quite basic. It's the essence of the elements. Yes. Yeah, so I think you, you're going to mention something more about aging. I think it's interesting that Vada is the third cycle and Vada is associated with nervous system and cardiovascular. And those are the things that start showing up when the systems are imbalanced. When you're older, you can get heart attacks, you can get dementia, strokes, things like that. And so I just think that the connections are so fascinating. Um, so fascinating. When, let me just add this on. And when that is imbalanced, once we're later in life, it's also that opportunity for us to connect with that God consciousness, with our higher state of being, because we've done our dharma, we've done all of these things. So now we're in the stage of our life where we could connect to this higher consciousness if we're in alignment, if we're balanced. Yes, that that is the key. How to get to your third cycle in life 
with that balance you know when when you get to 58 or so and you're you're in that place where Saturn's returning and uh he only does that twice so you get you get three trips around here um you're supposed to be set to you know be finished um and and then be able to apply all that energy from those previous learning places into that you know there's studies that show that the 60s this the the seventh decade is the most productive decade for many adults because we've culminated our knowledge, we've cleared away all the imbalances, and we're ready to roll with a really powerful existence. I concur that we have the wisdom. We have the wisdom of this lifetime that was lived. I also say that at that point in time, we've we've gone through, we've moved through the fluctuation of our hormones. So once women go through menopause, it's so interesting if somebody's living a healthy lifestyle then their hormones really should be in balance. I've never been more consistent in my life since I went through menopause personally. And people are blown away that I'm so openly talk about the fact that I went through menopause. But let's start embracing this. This is nature. This is what we do. And again, I've never been so balanced. So now I'm able to really step into my power and know that I'm not being driven by my hormones I'm being driven and guided by my spirit energy, and that's what I want to tap into. Absolutely. Uh, And that is the driver of everything. But, you know, it's interesting. Menopause became a disease in the 60s when doctors decided to call it a disease and treat it as such. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons it was because Western medicine was looking at Western patients who were eating the standard American diet and, and basically out of balance, inflamed and sick from a process that shouldn't have made them sick. In fact, this weekend um, in the New York Times magazine, the cover is we got menopause wrong. And really? yes, I think it's worth a read because this is what they're addressing. Um, we got it wrong. Menopause is not an illness. Menopause is not a disease and women don't need to get osteoporosis simply because they got menopause. There are so many things to do to keep you in balance. But hey, I just want to remind everybody that we've got a great opportunity here on WMNF 88.5 to talk with an amazing Ayurvedic doctor. I have a few emails that are off topic and no calls. So, Bill, what do you think we should do? I think I should give another shot of encouragement and remind folks that they're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey and special guest Dr. Sharon Jurassic here on WMNF Tampa. And we're encouraging you to give a call to 813-239-9663 or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org or Text us at 813-433-0885. And I'm going to give that number on out one more time since we have such a dark and dirty board. It's 813-239-9663. Back to you there, doctors. Why, thank you. So we do have a couple of um, questions. Um, uh, One, uh, actually, uh, uh, I'd like... Uh, Dr. Sharon to have a crack at. And so it's, it, this is virtually no information. And so it's going to be hard to run with, but there's, I'm sure some comments we could make about this. I could too. What's advice with irregular heartbeat from Mike in St. Pete? Irregular heartbeat. I would yes. start with pranayama breathing, sitting with meditation, focusing on your breath, placing your hands on your heart, 
becoming in harmony with your own personal body. Your hands are extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Your hands have mm -hmm. the ability to heal. They're energetic. And by simply placing your hands on your heart, connecting with your heart space, creating harmony and rhythm with your, with your breath, you slowly start to change what's going on in your body. That would be my first recommendation. Start within. It all begins with the breath. I totally agree with you because if most people would pay attention, they would notice that when they're feeling out of balance, their breath is likely out of balance. Um, you know, when you're angry, you take short, hard breaths. When you're crying, you take big, long, gasping sobs. Your breath changes with your mood. Your jet breath changes with your physiology. If you have, um, emphysema, for example, your breathing is going to be different than somebody with normal lungs and those are the kind of things that we have time in my practice. I start with a, 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 the patient is in my office for about three hours for the initial visit because we have stuff to do before and after with staff and, and a long visit with me. So I have time to listen, plus a lot of paperwork beforehand that helps smooth the visit so we can ask a lot of questions. How does it work when people come to see you for an Ayurvedic consultation? Um. I don't have as many staff as you do, sure. um, but it does it does take us anywhere from two to three hours to go through the intake form. I want all the information, depending mm -hmm. on the individual, depending on how open they are to the experience and how much they're willing to share with me. I really try to dig deeper into the trauma and things that may have happened in the past or start to identify when things started to surface for them and was their trauma based on it at that point in time. And it's just taking a deeper dive into that individual. So it's a lot of conversation. I do tongue diagnosing. I do mm -hmm. pulse diagnosing, understanding that pranatages and ojas within the body, within that subtle body. The, the pulse is, it gives us so much information. It takes us deeper into that causal body, that karmic body. And it's mm -hmm. interesting, the flashes that come to me when I take one's pulse. And it's usually the information that I can't share up front. But once I start working with somebody, then it starts to surface and it all makes sense. It's so information. It's so interesting how that information is downloaded, but you have to have discernment when to share it because some people aren't really ready for everything that I'm willing to share. Oh, no, that, that's very true. And, and that is part of the art of practicing in healthcare. We have to actually, you know, tailor the message to the individual when it's appropriate. Um, that doesn't mean we should hide information, no. but, um, and that does happen sometimes in, in healthcare. Um, but it's, it's not, in my opinion, very appropriate to do that. Even if you think that it might protect someone, everyone has the right to know what's going on so they can make their own decisions. Great. But you know what? We're fortunate because a caller is on the line. <laughs> Are we still having computer problems? It seems like there might be an issue. So no, uh, I've got I've got Jen on the line here with uh, oh, an autoimmune question. Good morning, Jen. Hi. Good morning. I'm very interested in your show. I've been um, over the years by an Ayurvedic doctor, and I'm interested in your perspective on autoimmune diseases. Um, from an Ayurvedic um, 
live? Well, in Ayurveda medicine, we don't really, we don't, we don't call it autoimmune. We really look at it as more of a vata imbalance. Perhaps it's a vata kapha imbalance. And we look, look at it through those elemental components. Ultimately, autoimmune is caused through diet, lifestyle, stress, and environmental toxins. So really looking at all of those things, standing out to be able to look at it from uh, to get the proper view of it. But um, we don't treat it as an autoimmune disease. We treat it based on the individual and based on the actual imbalances within the body. And everybody's different. And I've worked with many people with self-diagnosed autoimmune, doctor-diagnosed autoimmune. It is, um, it's addressed through diet and lifestyle. And it's interesting how quickly the body starts to respond based on those elemental imbalances within the body. When you slowly start to introduce those, those qualities that need to be reintroduced into the body, the body starts to respond pretty quickly. Ayurveda is based on the belief that nothing is right for everyone, but everything is right for someone. So everyone is very different and it's very individual and autoimmune is, it's a blanket statement, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, but from my perspective, it's this blanket statement. It's not about the individual. I would agree with that too, because autoimmune disease um, is so varied and so, you know, it presents differently in everyone. Some people with Hashimoto's can get hyperthyroid. Some people will mm. not notice it. And then some, and afterwards, they might, not always, might go hypothyroid. And um, it's very interesting that that autoimmune disease is not treated by anybody who treats autoimmune disease for some odd reason. They just let it do its course. Um, and so even in Western medicine, there's a kind of uh, 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 a hierarchy for actually even looking at it. So... Uh, Ayurveda's approach is exactly the functional medicine approach in that um, we both look at it as a process that is being caused by stressors on the body and causing it to be out of balance. And we take away the toxins and we add in the um, uh, things that would balance like foods, colors. And that's one thing I love about Ayurveda is choosing the colors of your foods. Um, I think that's just one of the most fascinating aspects of it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that piece of digestion circling back to the fermentation, circling mm -hmm. back to, you know, the ama. Ama is defined as toxins within our bodies. And the only way in which we could burn through that ama is through proper digestion, through agni. So agni is the concept of fire. It's so critical to our overall health within our body. Agni is the force of intelligence within each cell, each tissue, every system within the body. So when Agni is stoked, then the body can slowly start to burn through the foods and the nutrients that it's receiving. And then the body can start to regulate and balance out that Agni, that digestive fire is so important. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, I'm not saying everybody should eat sauerkraut. It depends on the individual. It depends it on, it depends on their digestive Agni and what is proper mm -hmm. and what works for them. So if Agni is healthy, if Agni is stoked, then that person is digesting properly and then some of those imbalances slowly start to regulate. So looking at Agni, looking at Ama within the body would also be an approach as well. 
How does that do for you, Jen? It's fantastic. I'm so happy for your listeners to hear about it because Western medicine places and culture places so much pressure and shaming around the use or lack of use of biologic medicines to treat these um, diseases, I'll call them, um, of which I have one with the label Crohn's. I'm just coming off of hospitalization for a bowel obstruction. And mm. again, the shaming and the pressure and the lack of understanding that we're all individuals. And I had a chuckle when you mentioned sauerkraut because I got a belly just at thinking of it. Um, <laughs> yes, some people. Food, they're good for you or kale is good for you. But everybody, like you were talking about the Agni, everybody is different. So true. Uh, and you even noticed that fermented foods aren't right for you. Um, okay. They they do trigger a lot of people, but they're so beneficial for the people who tolerate them. Yeah, and a little bit goes a long way. So when you oh, eat fermented does. foods, you don't need a lot of it. And I think it's really important to also just tap into not being identified by a label. When mm. people come to see me and they're like, I have X, Y, and Z, I'm like, don't own that label. Don't believe no. in that label. You know, once you start, once you hear, I have cancer, then every cell in your body thinks that you have cancer. Don't own the label. Don't own the diagnosis that the doctor has given you. You have the power to heal. And that is the beauty of Ayurveda medicine. It's remembering that power that you have the ability to heal. Yes, it's so true. Hey, we have a uh, email here um, from Gib. Good morning to all. Very interesting show. It seems that I feel best when I'm outside, walking around performing small duties, looking at the plants, looking at the flowers, looking at the bees. All that gives me a sense of well-being. Cannot seem to carry that feeling the entire day. I make a point of watching the sunrise every day. That is some of my first thoughts when I wake up, being excited about waiting on the sunrise. I do still work. I drive making deliveries. I believe I heard mention of a supplement specialty. I know that there are many supplements for many things. Occasionally, he takes velvet bean. Seems to give me a sense of calm energy that makes sense. I'm not familiar with uh, velvet bean, but it's called uh, Macuna Puritans. I don't doubt that it has some L-DOPA in it. It does. It does. It's a great herb for sure. But again, it's based on the individual. You need to see what works for you. But that that plant medicine, it does produce dopamine. It's very calming for the body. And then that element of watching the sunrise, being in nature with the sun, the sun has been demonized for so many years. Mm -hmm. Without the sun, we wouldn't be in existence. We wouldn't exactly. have food to eat. We wouldn't have flowers to to enjoy. Everything revolves around the sun. We revolve around the sun. And the sun is so powerful. It is a light force. And when we tap into that life force at the proper times of day, I'm not saying to stare at the sun at high noon, but right. understanding, my goodness, the sun. Think about how we feel when we go to the beach and the sun is beating down on our skin and our body is producing all that dopamine and serotonin and it just, it feels so good. So yes, nature is everything. It's getting back into nature. And as we all know, we're on these, we're on these devices, these devices, it's activating our hypothalamus. When you think about what we're taking in through the lens of our eyes, Mm -hmm. It is so much information. And when we go outside and we allow the sunlight to seep into the lens of our eyes, we feel better. And there's nothing like 
a beautiful day out in the sunshine, obviously with moderation. You don't want to get burned. Right. So if you go out after four o'clock and watch an amazing uh-huh. sunset on Siesta Beach or on, uh, um, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, St. Petersburg Beach, uh, anywhere up, anywhere on the west coast of Florida, it's, it's so enriching. And that sun isn't harmful. You're there after those peak UV rays. But we have a caller on the line. Indeed we do. And I'm also going to take this moment to give the phone number on out again and remind folks that they are listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And his guest today is Dr. Sharon Jurassic. And give us a call at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885 and we've got ryan on the line here he's making sauerkraut hey hello everybody can you hear me yes yeah hi hey yeah i I woke up this morning and i said i'm going to make sauerkraut and i turned on the radio and there you were that's synchronicity <laughs> there are no mistakes. That's because that's because I do all my breath work, you know, and, and and nothing's a coincidence anymore. Um, oh, Ryan, yes, you're the breath work guy. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so um, I'm, I've made have successfully made sauerkraut in the past, but lately I've been I don't know. So I'm gonna I get a little I get cabbage. I'm gonna cut it all up. I'm gonna take a little bit of the cabbage, put it in, in a blender with water, add salt to it. And, and then blend that up and then stuff my mason jar full of cabbage and then cover it completely with that solution. Then I'm gonna then I'm gonna set the lid on it and wait for a while. Tell me tell me what I've done wrong. <laughs> you've done nothing wrong. First of all, if you've done your breath work then your your intentions are good. So it yes. all it all starts with intention and if you're just using cabbage and salt, that's all I use. I do the traditional ferment. I believe it's the purest ferment out there. What you would want to do though is your variables. So your temperature is super important. Anything above 72 it will start to grow mold. So be really mindful based on where the sun is and how the earth rotates during the course of the day that you don't have any sunlight on it so that it doesn't grow the mold. And then the other piece of it is time. Ideally, it's best to ferment for four weeks. A four-week ferment goes through three-stage fermenting process where you get the beneficial bacteria of everything possible within that cabbage. And they say one one twelve ounce jar of sauerkraut, which has fermented for four weeks, is equivalent to eight bottles of probiotic pills. Wow! So my house is going to smell nice for four weeks. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Um, no, I'm just kidding about that. Um, now, now, um, does that mean my apartment has to be at seventy two degrees? Seventy two or colder, correct? Oh my God, that takes a lot of power, you know, to keep my my apartment that cold. I agree. I agree. Um, Some people, if you have a wine cellar or if perhaps you could put it under the sink, if the sink stays a little bit cooler, you want cool and you want dry. Those are very important variables. Yeah. Wow. No wonder my, my, my sauerkraut went off on me last time. My apartment's too warm. Yes. Yep. Well, that's a trick. Now I can't, can I use a refrigerator? No. It, it, it changes. It doesn't have the same fermenting process. 
Yeah, the bacteria are different because they can't grow at that temperature. Correct. 72, uh, 72 degrees. That's a lot of electricity for my apartment. Wow. Um, all right, then. Um, for, uh, then what's the minimum time to, for it to um, make the bacteria? A couple of weeks? Do I have to wait four weeks? Ideally, in order to, for it to go through that three-stage fermenting process, if you wait two days, you're going to have some bacteria that grows. If you wait a week, you'll have some more bacteria that grows. You, it's still going to be good for you. It's still going to be better than not eating it. Yeah, Bubby's makes those half-sour dills that only ferment for, what, a week maybe? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, now, now when, I, when, I, when I make a batch of sauerkraut, um, my, uh, how long is that gonna? Is my gut gonna be happy? I mean, how often should I do this? I mean, uh, once every six months, once uh, every couple months, or? Well, the bacteria in our belly changes every few few days. It's based on what we're eating. So, right. yeah, that's that's constantly changing what's going on the, in the gut microbiome. So, if you want to eat it a few days a week. That should suffice, depending on how you feel, paying attention to your bowels, paying attention to digestion. You need to listen to those nuances of your body to see if you need it. Okay, how long can I keep it in? So I can put it after I've fermented it, I can put it in the refrigerator and it'll last for a week or what, right? Forever. Honestly, right. yeah, once it's gone through that fermenting process, it lasts forever. I usually put a six-month date on mine but beyond that it just continues to change and the texture changes the flavor changes it's not going to go bad if your ferment is bad you will know it will smell rancid if oh yeah it doesn't, you'll know right away you'll know there's <laughs> <laughs> and you'll see you'll see the scum on it too yes. um so hey ryan thanks a lot we have two more callers on the line all right bye guys bye-bye Indeed. We've got Gwen and Fez. Let's go to Gwen in St. Pete. Good morning, Gwen. I, I was very interested in the Ayurvedic discussion because I've done some of it, but I now have a nerve condition, and I'm wondering what Ayurvedic um, has to offer us. <laughs> I don't, I mean, blood pressure, uh, autoimmune, those kinds of things I get. What about nerve conditions like um, trigeminal neuralgia? Well, you know, that, that moves into the, um, the subdoshes of the body and really looking at what you're taking in as far as information, what's aggravating your nervous system, being mindful if you're drinking coffee or foods that have nervine stimulants to them. You can take nervine tonics. Ashwagandha is a big one, but ashwagandha is heating and there's a lot of fire to it. So it would depend depend on the individual if the ashwagandha would actually benefit them. So what you want to look at is obviously the way in which you're moving through your day, right? Are you doing things that are calming and grounding? Are you doing meditation? Are you doing breath work? There is Abhyanga where it's a full body massage that you do prior to the shower. It's so hydrating. It's balancing to Vata because anything that's going on within the nervous system is a Vata imbalance. So you mm -hmm. want to do anything that's going to balance Vata dosha. Those nervine tonics are important, but if you're not doing the lifestyle treatments, the, the herbal supplements just become a Band-Aid. You have to do the other practices as well. Got it. 
Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okie doke, we're down to about eight more minutes, and I've got Fez on the line, but I'm going to give the number one more time. You're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. Irene's waiting for your calls. What have you got for us, Fez? Hello, Fez. Hmm. I'm hearing something there. Me too. Um, yeah. Oh, I've had epilepsy for two years. And, um, I had it. As you're coming in and out, sir. Can you fix your speaker, your microphone? Are, are you on speakerphone, Fez? Fez, I'm going to ask you to give us a call back. And, yeah, we've got another person ringing on in at the moment. So. I have an email, um, and it follows up on the breath work. What if you often stop breathing, like sleep apnea, but while you're awake, sometimes triggering irregular heartbeat? Um, my first thought on that is this could be central sleep apnea. That's a neurologic condition and should be evaluated for a problem. But since it's a neurologic condition, I think it's also probably a vata imbalance. I would agree. I would agree. I would also evaluate when it's happening. So start journaling. Is it happening if you're being triggered by something? Is it happening after a conversation that you had with an individual? Start to identify when is this happening? So if it's happening randomly, start to hone in on when that's happening so you could get to the root cause. Because in Ayurveda medicine, we want to get to the root cause. What is causing this in order for the body to heal? If we don't get to the root cause, everything else just becomes that balance. So do all the things that balance vata through um, foods, through Yoga, meditation, yoga nidra is amazing for anything that's going on within the nervous system. Yoga nidra is so powerful. I like to do that once a day or before bed. Very beneficial for anyone with nerve issues. And I think the caller before who was um, coming in, fading in and out, I think he said he had something to do with his nervous system. So meditation, yoga nidra, breath work, calming breath work, eating grounding foods. Right now, our farms, um, Warden Farms, other farms, they have sweet potatoes. Eat foods that are Mm -hmm. grounding, balancing Spice them up with a little bit of cinnamon. Bring in some nuts, something sweet and warm and grounding to your body. Food is, we're putting food into our body at least three times a day. And when you take into consideration, if you're taking one pill to treat heart disease and that one pill helps the heart disease during the course of the day, imagine what the food we're taking in, what that does. Each time we eat, food is information and our cells and our body, they're receiving that information. So choose your food wisely. Pay attention to how you feel after you eat. Are you charged? Are you triggered? Do you feel nervous? I personally have an issue with coffee. I love coffee, but when I drink too much coffee, I get a slight tremor on my tongue. And that's because coffee, I don't drink a lot of coffee. I drink maybe one cup in the morning, but coffee is a nervine, a nervine uh, stimulant. You have mm-hmm. that 
you start to build that up every day, it starts to build up within your body. So you need to really regulate and be mindful as to how much you're taking in. So I think we can squeeze one call in quickly if possible. Well, let's go back and see if we have a better connection with Fez here. Hey, Fez. Yeah, I'm back. I don't know what happened. Anyway, technology. Um, hey, hi. Love the show. I, my, my question this morning was, um, I've always been described by Ayurvedic doctors as being um, overly pita or having more pita than other elements. And um, I have, I don't know, worked on that for many years, but I'm been epileptic for many years, and I don't know if I can, I don't know, help my epilepsy by, I don't know, moderating my pita, and uh, I want to say that's yeah. the core of the question. Yeah, you know it's interesting. You know what's interesting about that, Fez? It, your your pitta might be elevated and it might be your predominant dosha within your constitution. But what's possibly happening, obviously I'm not diagnosing or doing anything like that, but vata is likely pushing the pitta. So vata, as I mentioned, is at the helm of everything. And if vata is pushing that pitta, think about a fire. So if you've got a fire, a contained fire, in California and it's contained and there's no wind, there's no movement, that fire is fine. But as soon as that air comes into play, that movement, that the wind starts to come in, the wind of the mind, the worry of the mind, and that wind starts to pick up and it pushes that fire out of the fire pit. And now we have we have crazy fires. We have rampant fires, which are destroying communities. That's the same analogy that's taking place within your body. So you've got Pitta, this container of Agni and fire. I've got, I've got to interrupt. We're down to the last seconds. And I just wanted to mention, uh, wanted you to mention where to contact you. Uh, you could contact me at sharingayurveda.life or fermentlicious.com. Excellent. Um, this has been an amazing show, and I really appreciate your being here and all the input from our listeners. Uh, there are emails I couldn't get to because this has been such a good conversation. Next week, we're going to talk with Dr. Nicola Conlon. She is a developer of uh, pharmaceuticals, but also nutraceuticals, and we're going to talk about aging and uh, uh, maintenance of the cells using uh, a variety of different techniques. It's going to be a great show uh, and uh, uh, look for more information on the WMNF uh, Healthy Step Show blog. Alright, I'd like to thank you both for another wonderful show and thank Irene for handling the phones. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming right on up is 5 Minutes of NPR News, and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. And until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. <laughs>